You're listening to the Elim Church Northampton podcast. This message was recorded live as part of our regular Sunday service. We know that this is a great investment into your life. So tune in and give it a listen. For more information, visit elimnorthampton.com. Lord, we pray today that you would speak to us. We pray, God, that you would breathe life into our lives. Father, we ask you that you would help us to follow you, to keep going, pressing into what you want for us. So, Lord, we commit our hearts to you right now and our minds, and we say, Lord, speak to us. Lord, strengthen us. Lord, so we can leave this place, Lord, following you wholeheartedly. Lord God's people said, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Let's thank our worship team. As this is their second round, also thank them that they're going to have to listen to me again. The second service might be a bit better than the first because it gives the preacher time to tweak a few things. So the, the nine o'clocks, the, the sort of the, uh, you know, have a, you get everything. This one, it can be, oh, I'll move that out there because that might be better. It's like when I was watching like the, you know, the, the comedian, what's his name now, has these massive big shows. Who, who is he? The little, he's, um, he's from my end of the woods, north. Peter Kay. So Peter Kay, you know he has like Phil's stadiums, doesn't he? Well, do you know before his, um, he gives his sort of like, well, I'll call it a sermon, but his, his whole joke system. He, he fills arenas with 200 people at a time and he keeps doing this and then he writes notes, what worked, what worked, what didn't. And so by the time he's done about 10 or 15, 20 shows, he's found out what gets the laughs, so he takes out what didn't work. Well, I've only got one more chance now to make this work. I've not got 50 shows, so hopefully you'll get something that's going to help you. Also, wasn't that video good of Linda running around the building? You know, yeah, well, she doesn't know is that when we get this new building, she's going to have to do the same, but run around the car park. And the, so I'm really looking forward to that day when you've got your marathon gear on, running around there. Just a quick update, keep praying. Lots of things moving, happening, uh, legal things. We were planning now, uh, date is the 3rd of February. So we're doing lots of things in between and uh, we'll just keep taking every step necessary that needs to be done. We'll, we'll give you a proper update if we can before Christmas, but uh, any other news, we'll add the email and let you know in the services. Okay, so the title of my message today is called The In-Between. I had a message prepared uh, why did Jesus come at Christmas? What was the purpose? But then the, the last few days, I, uh, my regional leader, Paul Hudson, he sends every day a devotion that he puts on his blog. Sometimes I read it and sometimes I don't. But this time I just opened it up and began to read it. And uh, I asked him if I could share it before I preached because it re, um, reshaped the way I thought about what I wanted to bring today to you and also really spoke into our own lives in where we are. And um, the, the title of his blog is Trust When It's Tough. Trust When It's Tough. And then it says this, it doesn't matter how dark, how difficult life is. And then he reads Luke 1, 5, 7 in a couple of versions. And I'm going to read uh, those to you. They'll be on the screen as well. It says, in the time of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priest division of Abijah. 
His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron, and both, their, and both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commandments and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. And then he continues, In the time of evil, Herod, there was a man named Jehovah, as remembered Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division called Worshipper of Jehovah, Abijah. His wife was called the Absolutely Reliable One, or God is my promise, Elizabeth. Like her husband, she too traced her priestly ancestry, but all the way back to the founder of the Israelite priesthood. So let's do this again, he says. In the time of a murderer of two of his sons, nearly all his wives and his father-in-law, there lived a couple who believed that God remembered his promises. Are you listening to this? He says, let me try again. In the time, one of the most wicked, self-absorbed, ambitious and jealous ruler, even to the point of massacring innocent children, lived a couple who had built their whole life on worshipping God. The foundation of their family tree was one of praise and sacrifice. Their family stories were that of hosting the presence of God within the Holy of Holies, where hurts and offences against each other and where sins against God and the liturgy consistently worked towards reconciliation and forgiveness. It matters not how dark the world can get, nor who rules the land we live in. In the midst of fear, from the threats of man and the lies and manipulation of selfish people, there can live light shining bright, waiting and available to the story of God. Faithful names holding on to a much more faithful God. People of God who hold worship as the foundation of their life. But to do it when it seems like God has not responded the way you had hoped for is even more special. Zachariah and Elizabeth were faithful, obedient, and people who followed God's ways. They were righteous, but the desires of their hearts were not being met. And Deuteronomy 7 says, You'll be blessed more than any other people. None of your men or women will be childless, nor any of your livestock without young. People took this further and said if an individual was barren, it actually showed the disfavor of God. When you have a Bible promise, but also people using that Bible to discourage you further, how do you survive? This couple were both very old and they accepted things as they were. Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they would, wouldn't know why. They lived in a tough time and their life was tough. So how did they survive? They did so by worship and trust. There is no indication that they walked away from God at all. Can you be trusted to carry a heartache? Will you trust in tough times? And then it says this to finish his blog. The true assessment of character 
only happens when there is lack in your life. Trust is born in lack. As I read that devotion, I begin to think our context in the church and maybe some of your lives and throughout our walk with God over 30 years, thinking about the following Jesus and not always everything turning out as we would want them to turn out. And believing in God of the promise and waiting for those promises to be fulfilled in our lives. But it seems so far away from God manifesting his favor and his goodness to us who are truly devoted. Truly wanting to seek God for everything he has and totally committed to his purpose. And yet there is still delay and there is still denial in the promises being actually experienced in our lives. I begin to think about that journey and I've called the title the in-between, the in-between of God's promises and faithfulness manifesting in our lives to when we start out the journey with God. Because every one of us in this room, when you pursue something in your life, there is a start point. You make decisions, you make plans, you get excited, you write it all down, and then you've got to start doing it. That's called the in-between. Because the, the, the fulfillment of what you start doesn't happen overnight. There is a journey to fulfillment in anything that you want to achieve in your life. And when you're following Jesus, there's always a journey of in-between of trusting God step by step, a walk of faith in believing God of what he's promised you and promised us to fulfillment in our lives. And that in-between is sometimes not always predictable. Also, it doesn't give you the time when that in-between will end. Come on. How many people know that when you thought, this is taking longer than I thought? I mean, this building project, I, I, you know, how long is this going to take? I have no idea. We're just going to keep going in your own personal life right now. What you're waiting for a breakthrough for? What is it that you are transitioning towards? What is it? And you're saying, how long will this take? When will God show up? When will God open a door? When will I see breakthrough? There is called the in-between of your journey of receiving the promise and seeing the promise actually received and birthed in your life. The in-between is the walk of faith, the vacant gap, the gap when it seems like the journey is harder and the storms are against us, even though the intention of your journey is a good one. It's one that's going to give glory to God. It's one that's going to help people get to know him. And yet there is a resistance in the in-between of fulfillment and breakthrough in your life and our lives. And how does it seem that the journey is somehow resistant and the storms are, are getting sort of more wilder in our lives. It's the in-between when the light we first receive begins to fade and it looks like that we're walking in the dark. Anybody there? Anybody started out well, knew what they were going to do, knew where they were going and all of a sudden you're in-between where you're not so sure now? Where it's gone darker you're not, as, you're not as confident as you was when you started because a few things have happened around your life and the in-between is it's like it's a faith step. You're, you're, you've stepped off out of the boat into the unknown and things may not be working out as you thought they would and therefore the light has become dark. It's the in-between when 
we begin to hear God so clearly and that voice becomes more and more distant even to the point of being silent. Can't hear God anymore. I heard him back there and now we've stepped out. It's like God is not here. And the voice of God that you were so inclined to say, that's the Lord, is saying, God, where are you? And there's all kinds of things happening in our life. That's the in-between of our walk with God. It's the in-between when the enemy whispers in your ear, it's time to turn back and give up this Christian stuff. And forget about this Jesus stuff and about your promise for your life in him. Forget about that and do what you did before you knew him. It's that kind of whisper. He's saying you've made a mistake, you've misheard, it's never going to happen and why would God do it through you? And it's in between when everything looks and feels as though we are not sure how much more we can hang on and keep on going. Have you ever been there in your life when you think, I don't know whether I can go another day. I don't know whether I'm going to be able to make it to the other side. You started so much with so much vigour, so much strength, and after the season of the in-between, weariness kicks in. And you just think, I don't know whether if I can keep this thing up, I am not sure if I have the energy to go one more step to follow. It's the in-between. When those voices that supported you and cheered your dream and the promise can no longer be heard in your between. When the gap is further away from the fulfilled promise from when you started. Has anybody ever experienced that? Is there anybody in this room or online that is in between right now that can say, I can identify with that season in my life. And the thing is that every one of us, whether you know God or not, is going to go through that kind of season. Because life is life. And whatever you want to pursue in life, there will be an in-between where there'll be uncertainty and there'll be fear and there'll be doubt and there'll be disappointment and there'll be, there'll be misunderstanding, there'll be confusion and they're thinking, what is, what is happening? Especially if you're a Christian. Because it's so easy to quote a scripture that all things work together for good and then you're thinking, but why is it not happening now? Sometimes the scriptures can be cheap to us when we're actually living it and thinking, God, what on earth is going on? I thought I heard you. I just feel like I can't go any further. One particular person who is, uh, I'm not sure that he's a Christian, but he wrote about a parable of the trapeze. I wanted to understand the in-between, that, and he calls it transition. And this is what he says about the transition of our life, which we can get hope for as we are in the between of our breakthrough. He says, I have come to believe that the, this transition is the only place that real change occurs. But the void in between, is it just a scary, confusing, nowhere that we just need to get through as fast as we can within consciousness as quick as possible. He's saying no. He said, what a wasted opportunity that would be. He said, I have a sneaking suspicion that the transition zone is where real change, real growth occurs for us. 
Whether or not my hunch is true remains that the transition zone in our lives are incredibly rich places. They should be honoured and savoured. Yes, with all the pain and the fear and the feelings of being out of control. He says this, that they are still the most alive, most growth-filled, passionate, expansive moments in our lives. And at times on the in-between, we can't grasp that because we feel hopeless and we feel out of control and we wonder where God is and we wonder where we are. But I want to tell you in those moments of vulnerability and fear that God is at work deep in our lives and we don't know it. That God is about to do something and doing something in us through the in-betweens. Because when we get on the other side, something will have changed in our lives. But what do we do on the in-between when you're feeling those things that I've said this morning? What do you do? Well, you've only got two choices. You either give up and go back or you keep going. You haven't got any other choice. You say, I'm, I'm packing this in or I am not giving up. I'm going to keep going. And that's the choices that we have to make. And so I want to say to you that, that, that before fulfillment, there is the promise received. But the fulfillment before it comes, there is a in-between. And David said in Psalm 23, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, full of confidence. At the end of Psalm 23, he said, He prepares a table before me where what my cup will overflow and surely goodness and mercy which will follow me all the days of my life. But there is an in-between. It's called the valley of the shadow of death which David had to walk through. God could have picked him up and took him straight to the table but David would have not have learned some stuff about himself or of God. And unfortunately, whatever you believe about God just protecting you, taking you away from troubles and trials is not true and not biblical. God allows you to walk through the dark times and the in-betweens to do something in you that he could never do without the valley in your walk. And we can either go through it and allow God to change us or we can try and escape it and stay the same. David had some tips of how to manage the in-betweens and as we look through scripture and we're going to look at some of his principles but we're going to pray at the end of this meeting for those in this room and those online that you know that you are in the in-between. Somebody said to me in the first service as I left and got in the car to pick Linda, they said to me, you just spoke to me today and nobody else. I mean that was nice but I thought I hope I've spoke to more than just you. <laughs> well I know what she was saying, that God spoke to her life and God is speaking to some people in this room and online, that you're in the in-between and you're thinking, I'm going to quit. I'm going to say, do not quit. Keep hold of some things in your life which we're going to learn. You see, you're not the only one in the room that's experiencing in-betweens following Jesus and following God. Jeremiah experienced it. When he, he writes in Lamentations, he said, I'm a man who has seen affliction by the Lord of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made my walk in darkness rather than light. See, he experienced the darkness in following God. He said, I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is like. Is that you in the room today? He said, so my splendor is gone and all that I have hoped for from the Lord. 
That's what life can do to you following Jesus. Even though you're faithful, even though you're persistent, it can sometimes wear you out to a point that God has forgotten me. And my hope is no longer alive in the promises that I read in the Word. And I don't know whether I can keep on going. You see, Jeremiah experienced that kind of in-between experience of darkness and disappointment in what God was doing in his life. He said, nobody listens to me when I preach. Some preachers think they've got it bad. You want to have a little chat with Jeremiah when you get to heaven. Everybody was singing songs about him, how bad he was. That's not happened yet. Our worship team haven't made a song about how bad our preaching is. Thank you, Donna. If that happens, I know it's our time to leave. Habakkuk, a prophet, again in the Old Testament, is how long, Lord, must I call for help? But you do not listen. These were men of God. Totally sold out for God. And they're saying, God, how long must I call for help? Because you're not listening. Or when I cry out, he says, violence, but you do not save. Why do you make it me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. You know, our world is in turmoil right now. And he said, therefore, the law is paralyzed. In other words, God, your word is not doing anything. In my nation, in, in our lives, God, why is your word not moving? And he said, justice never prevails. The wicked hem in the righteous, so the justice is perverted. He had a dilemma in his middle of his journey following God obeying his will for his life. And then we come to Job. Job, it talks in chapter one, the land of us, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless, upright, feared God and shunned evil. Couldn't get any more better than that, could you? So whatever happened in the next few verses wasn't because he was a bad Christian. He was a great example. He prayed for his kids, even though that they thought he might have done wrong. They were, he was sacrificed for his kids just so they wouldn't offend God. This man was an upright man. But in the next few verses, if you read Job chapter 1, go down, go down the list. The next few things happened in his life. Everything in his life was lost. His wife, his children, his job, his wealth, his, his livestock, his home. Everything was wiped out of his life. There was 42 chapters that you have to read to see the end result of promise is where God restored everything to him and he lived at old age prosperous but what about in the middle what did he do within the next 40 chapters to help us to gain the promise and the faithfulness of God what would you do in your life and then we look to Paul the apostle this amazing apostle planted churches did great things wrote half of the new testament and what did he say about his walk with God in the middle when he experienced an amazing encounter with Jesus? His life was transformed. His eyes were open, chains fell off, miracles happened. And then he faced it and he said, you know, I've been flogged more severely, been in prison more times. I've been exposed to death. I received from the lashes 40 times. The three, I was beaten with rods. rods. Once I was pelted with stones. I was shipwrecked three times. I spent the night in the open rivers, dangers all over the place. He said, I've, I've labored and toiled and I've often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and I've gone without food. I have been cold and naked. This is a man that loved God, given his life for God and he's in the middle of a disaster of following Jesus. What would he have to say to me and you today? 
and all the promises that we believe in, and all the things that we've been told that God does for us when we give our life to him. And it's all backwards. It's all upside down. It's all not happening. God is not here. God is not working. God is not moving. What is going on in my life? And you're facing all these kind of things. And that Timothy says this to help us know what Paul's last words were. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. What is it, Paul, that kept you going? What is it, Paul, that, that in between you didn't give up? But you could say at the end of your life, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race and I'm waiting for my crown. But not only for me, but anyone that follows Jesus. What is it, Paul, that you can hand to us today? Like Jeremiah and Habakkuk and everybody else. What is it that you can hand to us in between that we do not give up and we keep going till we see God's goodness hit our lives? And then let's go to Jesus. Let's go to the Son of God, the one who became flesh at Christmas time and dwelt amongst us for a while. Fully God, but yet fully human, who came in the flesh, experienced what we experienced, yet was without sin. Yet the in-between of his life in Luke 22 says, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Hold on a minute, this is the Son of God. This is the man that come on earth and saw signs and wonders, the dead raised, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lepers cleansed, the multitude fed, and now he's in a garden isolated on his own, sweating drops of blood in anguish. Why? Because of the in-between of what he's got to do for God. And even Jesus said, Lord, is this possible that I can back out of the in-between. Isn't it possible that I can have another option? And then he says, Father, but not my will, but your will. It was a matter of the will to keep going. It wasn't the feelings. It wasn't the emotion. It was about his commitment to his mission to honour his Father. And also to see me and you come to know him. To have our sins forgiven. That was the reason that Jesus stayed in the middle to keep on going. And they said it sweat like drops of blood. Then they stripped him and they put a scarlet robe on him and they twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head and they put a staff in his hand and they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews. And they said and they spit on him and they took a staff and they struck him on time and time again on his head and they mocked him and they took a robe and put their own clothes on him and they led him away to be crucified. Matthew 27, from noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. In the middle, in between, the promise of resurrection, of sins forgiven, of mankind being reconciled to God, the in-between the hard place of am I going to continue to obey God? And about three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out, listen, in a loud voice. He wasn't hiding his fear and his feelings about, he felt about God. He said, my God, my God, why? Have you forsaken me? Even Jesus had an in-between moment of thinking, God, why? 
It's just happening to me. How do we manage the in-between? Because we're not Jesus, are we? And we're not the Apostle Paul. We're not Jeremiah. How do we do it? When we've got to keep honouring God and keep on going till we see the breakthrough, till we see God's glory manifest in our lives, in our families. What do we do? First thing, every one of them did one thing. And that's a few things and I'm going to pray for you. The first thing that they did, every single one of them cried out to God in prayer. Every single one called to God with honesty. Why are you doing this, God? What is going on, God? How can you do that? And you know something? When bad things happen to Christians, the first thing they do is abandon God. But we've got to press into God. We've got to get older and say, God, why are you doing this? What, what is happening, God, in my life? I'm not letting you go till you bless me. I want to know, God, why is the world, why is my world upside down? Where, why is the promise so far away from me? Why am I feeling like I want to give up? God, where are you? These guys grabbed hold of the Lord and they pressed into God without feelings, without wanting to do it. They said the only thing we've got left is that we've got to get hold of God. We've got to get a hold of him in our lives. And you know, when the angel turned up to Zachariah, he said, do you know something? We're here because we're responding to your prayers. We have heard your prayer. God responds to prayer. It shows how much that we're desperate for him, that we rely on him, that we need him in our lives. That we get to our knees and say, God, if you don't show up, if you don't show up and speak and move, it's over. My God, my God, where are you? And then they declare, if you look at the pattern, they declare the goodness of God, even in the mess of their life, that they lean on the nature and the character of God from what they've experienced Him in their lives and through the Word of God. See, Jeremiah didn't just finish there by saying, my hope is gone, but it was true. His hope was gone in himself and in his people and in the surroundings of his life. But, but Jeremiah knew something about God that we need to know in our lives, something that we need to rely on, that when we, things get tough and things get dark and things get scary and fear hits and rules, we've got to dig deep, not only in calling on God, but to know something about this God we've given our life to. We haven't given our life to a God that doesn't care. We haven't given our life to a God that abandons us. We haven't given our, our life to God that says, oh, you get on with it now that you've made a mistake. God is so committed to us more than we are committed to him. Yes. And no matter if you're in a valley right now, God has not left you one minute. And he's with you right there, right now. Even though he's silent, he's never moved from your life. And we have to know about something about his character that keeps us going when we want to give up in the middle of the in-between of seeing God's promise and faithfulness fulfilled in our lives. And then Jeremiah says, but this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. What? Hope in what? Because of the Lord's great love. Come on. We are not consumed. I love it. Foundation of the character of the love of God. We're not consumed. For his compassion never fails. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, so you have to speak to yourself. 
The Lord is my portion. Therefore I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him. To the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Our roots have to go down into the nature and the character who God, who does not move like shifting shadows, as James would say to us. That God is always steadfast, always faithful, and always available to his children. Habakkuk learns also to dig deep after complaints in prayer, though the fig tree does not bud, and there is no grapes on the vine. Though the olive crops fail and the fields produce no food. There is no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls. Yet I will, I will, I don't feel, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The sovereign Lord is my strength. Something about his nature. He is sovereign. He can move when he likes, to whom he likes. Over every name, every power, every authority, God is sovereign over our in-betweens. And Habakkuk dig deep in the reliance on God's character. He is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. He digs deep into the character of God and Job. After losing everything he's got. Next verse. At this. At what? After you've lost everything. Nothing left. No family. No wealth. No business. No nothing. After this, it says, Job got up, tore his robe, shaved his head, fell on the floor and worshipped. Worship is not just about singing songs. Worship is declaring who God is. And defining his character to your life. That he is unmovable and unchangeable and all-powerful. He said, the Lord give and the Lord takes away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Oh my goodness. I said in the first service, when people want to give a testimony, they go, I want to tell what God's, what God's done for me. God's blessed me with this and God's blessed me with that. I want to know if any of you in this, in this room has lost everybody and you want to come and give God praise for it. Do you think that we only have to give God praise when you get stuff from him? We've missed something. We've got to give God praise when we lose everything. Why? Because he's able to restore everything. Read chapter 42. God restored everything back more. Why? Because in the in-between, he worshipped the God who is able. The God who is trustworthy. The God who will never let us down. And I can imagine Job singing higher than the mountains that I face. Stronger than the power 
of the grave, constant for the trial and the change. One thing remains. What's that, Joe? You've lost everything. Yeah, I know, but you don't understand. There's one thing that remains. God's love never fails and never runs out on me. Oh, my goodness. He never runs out on me. God's love never fails. And the Apostle Paul would say this. In all these things, we are more than conquerors. In all what things, Paul? All the shipwrecks, all the stonings, all the beatings, all the lonely nights, all the times without food, all the times when I wanted to pack in. Yeah, in all this, I am convinced that neither death nor life, angels nor demons, present or future, nor any powers, height nor depth, or anything in all creation will able to separate me from what? From the love of God in Christ Jesus. His love never fails and will never run out on you or me. And then, of course, there is prayer and worship and holding on to God's word because the angel said to the ladies, you know, why, why are you looking for the, for the living among the dead? Did you not believe his word that he said he was going to die and be raised again? And then they said in verse 8 of Luke 24, then they remembered his words. See, God's word is our foundation, guys. Whatever God says, he's going to do it. It might not be in your time scale. It might, it might not be in the right season, but I want to tell you when God says it, he's going to do it. He will be faithful to his word. But as we learn and we look into David, there's a few more things because, you know, the first one is prayer, the second is worship, and the third is the word of God. And they're all like spiritual things, aren't they? They're like the spiritual thing, that's enough. But you know, there's a few more things that I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me this morning about from Psalm 23. I woke up at four in the morning with thinking, wow, I didn't realize that in the in-betweens there was more than just a spirit to be fed. There's you as a person. And it says this, he makes me lie down in green pastures and leads me beside quiet waters. And I was thinking about what is that, Lord? In the in-betweens when it's tough, in the in-between when you're fighting against resistance, against the enemy and against our mind and against the storms, what is it, God, that we feel like we want to get, what is it that, why is it you want to make us lie down in green pastures and lead beside quiet waters? Because there is a place in the in-betweens where we got to slow down and give God room to restore us. To find space in different environments. To lead us by green pastures, not a wilderness. A place that we can run to for a season to get replenished. To renew our minds and thinking there's more to life than just this. For God to open up our worldview and to move us out into a place of stillness and rest where he will lead me beside quiet waters where because we need to be still and know that he's still God. And then it says he refreshes my soul. You see, do you know you can be so spiritually high but still not running on good cylinders because your soul is dying. And we forget about feeding our soul but unfortunately you, we feed our soul with the wrong things. Even though you're praying and reading your Bible, you end up feeding your soul with wrong things because you're tired and you're weary. 
and you've not made any room for your soul to be restored. I've noticed that you can be pursuing good things in your life and yet if you don't take some time out of your routine, a Sabbath day, one day a week, you need to restore your soul. And that doesn't mean you say you've got to be praying and fasting for 24 hours. It means you've got to go to the cinema and watch a film you like. Go for a walk. Go and do some hobby. Go and do something that gives the inside of you as a human some restoration and some breathing space to enjoy a little bit of your life back. It means that we've got to give some room, that we make sure that we take time out to get to new pastures. So we, we actually put holiday time in, in our lives. No matter how important your world is and what money you want to make or churches you want to build, we've got to put room in that we have to get restored because our soul is the one that suffers, even though our spirit can be so on cloud 10. But inside of us, we're dying and we don't know why. It's because we've got to learn a shift and begin to replenish because we're human. Even Jesus got tired. And when you're tired and weary, you're no good to anybody. And you have to make sure that you replenish and find something that you like doing. So when you've finished it, you think, that was a good day. I'm back to my senses again. See, that's not spiritual, is it? But it is. But it is. And then it says, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. When you're in, a, in between and you're tired and you're weary, sometimes you can't make right decisions and you need some other people to help you. It's called counsel. Invite them into your world and say, I, I just can't think straight. Help me, because the next step and the next decision, I want them to be righteous. I want them to be right. And my thinking right now is not good. Help me. Give me some wisdom. If you have to get professional help, go help. Go get some input so you can get healthy to make right decisions because your mind gets messed up on the in-between. And there's nothing wrong in getting help and counsel and encouragement for other people and finally stand with me finally the psalmist says to finish and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever when you're in between and you want to give up the last place that you want to be is church and the devil wants to keep you away from church but David said I will Speak to me. I will. I don't feel. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It was a done deal in his spirit. He said, I am not forsaking fellowship. I am not abandoning my gathering. I am not abandoning my family of God. I am going whether I feel it, like it, or not. I'm going to get myself planted and I'm going to get in there and I'm going to be open for God to encourage me and the people of God to strengthen me. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I want to tell you, do not allow the enemy to isolate your life on the in-betweens. Keep plugged in. Keep coming to fellowship where God can speak to you where people can encourage you. 
Could you lift your hands with me as I pray? Because I want to just read this over your life and then pray. What will we learn in the in-between when we come out on the other side? We'll come face to face with our deepest fears and the plumb line of our identity and see a reflection of who we really are and the true measure of our faith in God. Everything we believed on the mountaintop will be shaken in the valley. But if we keep on going and holding on, we will come face to face with the wonderful, powerful, provisional love of God. And when we get to the other side, on solid ground, we will look to amazement that the person in the in-between is not the same person. And the God we once knew is not the same God. The true assessment of character only happens when there is lack. And trust is born in lack. If you're in this room, if you're online, I want to speak over you what Paul would say. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Father, I pray all over this room. If God has spoken to you today, if you know the Lord has spoken to you, I want you to come to the front. Just very quickly as we're going to come to closes. If God's spoken to you and you know you're in between, just come to the front as a sign, Lord, that's me today. I'll, I'll wait a couple of minutes for you. If you need to come down from the balcony, you come. If you know I'm in between, I don't know where, which way I'm going. I need God. I'm not giving up. I'm coming. You need to come. Wait a few more minutes and I'm going to pray for you. This is just an acknowledgement between you and the Lord that God's going to do something fresh for you. If you need to come, if the Lord's speaking to you, you know God's spoken to me today. Come, there's no shame in that. Let me tell you, there's victory. It's a step of faith to say, oh God, I, I, I am, I'm, I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep coming. Before I pray for you, I'll give you more time because I want to pray. If you're in this room and you're online and you don't know Jesus and you're walking the in-between alone without him, I want to tell you the best thing you could ever do in your life is hook up to God. You need to get him in, in, involved in the in-between. Because I'll tell you, it's very unlikely you're going to make it on your own. And if you don't know Jesus today in this room, now you may have been in church loads of times, but you really don't know him. If you're online, you may not know the Lord, but you're going through an in-between in your life and you're thinking, I don't I'm going to make it. I want to tell you, give your life to Jesus. No matter how hard it's going to be, no matter how painful it will be, I want to tell you, you will make it to the other side. Because he who started this good thing in your life, he will finish it to completion. God does not give up on you, but I want to tell you, you got to invite him into your life. You know what the biggest sin is? The biggest sin is not wanting God in your life. That's the biggest sin. I don't need God. But I want to tell you, if you're in a crisis, well, an opportunity for God to reign in. You don't have to be good enough. Just you've got to say, I need you. And if that's you in this room, then you can pray from your heart because God knows by his spirit. And you say, Lord, today I made a decision that I really don't want to go on this journey of life without you now involved. And now I invite you in. And the way you can do that is simply say, Lord, forgive me from leaving you out of my life. 
I'm sorry that I've lived up until this time without you. But from today, I invite you into my heart and into my life. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Thank you for dying for me on the cross and being rose again on the third day. That sin can be demolished and separation from God has been dealt with. And today I put my trust in you. And from this moment, I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let your presence fill my life and the assurance that you are with me. When I leave this place today, that I know that I'm not leaving alone. That the God of heaven who came in the flesh is now with me, beside me and in me and will lead me for his name's sake. And if you prayed that in your heart and you meant it, I want to tell you God will visit your life and he'll set you free from your sin and fill you with his spirit and give you a brand new start. And for those of you here that know Jesus and you're in between, I want to speak hope over your life and let you know that you will make it. That you will get to the other side. And if the Holy Spirit has spoken to you just through these few points, maybe one of them, then that is a lifeline for you to keep going. But over all the principles, there is one remaining truth that you need to leave with. That God's love never fails. And His love, listen, will never, ever, ever run out on you. Listen, other people may have run out on you. Circumstances has run out on you. Promises from others has run out. But I want to tell you the God that we serve he will never run out on you. Father, I just pray for these dear people on the in-between. And Lord, as they, Lord, leave today, I ask you, Father, they will know in their heart that faith would arise. That, Father, that you will never leave them and you will never forsake them. And Lord, that you will guide them, that you will lead them, Lord, to that table prepared where their cup will overflow. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow them all the days of their life. In Jesus' name.